Again, we're reading the last two verses of, of chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5 has been the Ten Commandments. We saw just after in chapter 5, uh, talking about the Ten Commandments as general guidelines um, before applying them, expanding them, explaining them in great detail in chapter 6 and beyond much of the book about how to live these things in life. Uh, we saw in verse 22, we were reminded that God's law is perfect and perpetual. It's always binding. It's always to be lived out. And then verses 23 to 24, uh, you need Jesus to mediate. Oh, excuse me. That shouldn't be 24. That should be Deuteronomy 23 through 31 we looked at last week. Uh, you need Jesus to mediate these commands to you, who also kept them for you, to give you eternal life and an abundant life. And now with these last two verses today, verses 32 and 33, Having mediation as God's people through Moses as a type of Jesus the Messiah, God's people must never even slightly stray from keeping all of his commandments, which is for their own good in being greatly blessed along the way of life and love. I give you that as the main idea of our verses in context. God's people must never even slightly stray from keeping all of his commandments, which is for their own good in being greatly blessed along the way of life and love. Paul N. Benware says this, there's a unique fact about the promised land in chapter 11, 10 to 15, reflected through much of the prophets. This land, remember they're in the plains of Moab, They've gone through the wilderness. Most of, almost all of the first generation has died. Second generation is here as adults with their children now, about to go in the promised land. And they didn't go in for 40 years. Why? They had to wander in the desert because of disobedience, lack of faith and disobedience. So they're being called to faith and obedience. And uh, again, Paul and Benware says a unique fact about the promised land, which they're going to go into, this land could not be irrigated like the land of Egypt. This land would be totally dependent on the rains. God promised that if Israel obeyed him, he would always bring rains for her crops and cattle. He would withhold rain only if Israel was disobedient to the law. So the question I present to you, beloved, uh, do you want the living waters of Christ's Holy Spirit to be gushing out of you? Not trickling, but gushing in living? Then stay on the straight way to live a great life. I'm not saying without persecution and troubles for doing this. You've heard many of those sermons in the first part of Philippians. But here is the message. Stay on the straight way to live a great life. That's the message for you from this text today. Stay on the straight way to live a great life. Follow Jesus who is the way exactly as he says to live your life. Follow Jesus who is the way exactly as he says to live your life. Walk like horses with blinders. We're not, uh, most of us, in much of a direct contact with uh, agrarian uh, culture and farming, but often you'll see horses, especially in the older times, with the big uh, blinders on their eyes. Why is that? To keep them looking straight, not to 
Uh, what's that over there? Not to get straight over and walk off the path. Not to get to, oh, what's that? And go off the path. Keep those blinders on to keep you going straight where God is leading you, living the way God will have you live when you are on that straight path. That's the way we need to be. Uh, keep, uh, keep not veering off by not looking away. Living God's straight ways of a holy fruit-bearing life as a result. The commandments are like blinders. Keep you safe from the world along that path, trying to get you off all the way to going to Vanity Fair. The commandments are like blinders to help you stay focused on living. Knowing God's commandments and what a blessing they are and knowing how to live them out in particulars. Psalms and Proverbs say a lot about that. Wisdom literature is how you stay straight and have a blessed life. Proverbs talk a lot about if you don't do this, it's not going to go well for you. If you do this, it's going to go well for you. Now, that's the idea here in, verses, in verse 32, and then uh, also verse 33a, but especially verse 32. Ye shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Keep the blinders on. That's these commandments are. Do them all. Stay straight and narrow with the best life of your blessed life in Jesus Christ. Again, this is not to earn heaven, but is to live out the kingdom of heaven on earth and be blessed more and more in so doing. Remembering in heaven, you're going to be doing this perfect and it's going to be a greatly blessed life. 33, the first part. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. Not some of the ways. One thing we marvel at as elders, always trying to remind people to be Bereans and study daily to see if these things are true about what we're supposed to do. And there's such a lack of interest in doing that. Not so long ago, we had a person say, would you be willing to, we asked them, would you be willing to study this, see if these things are true and if you're supposed to do them? And the answer was no. No? Don't you want to at least make sure you're not wrong? Because you'd be getting strained off the way if you're wrong. <laughs> There should be a heart to study and know and do his ways. But notice all of them. Oh, it doesn't mean we're not a Christian if we choose to violate some of them. Some of them that to most of the uh, Christian church seem minor or they don't even want to study to know if it's true. I'm not saying everybody goes to hell because of that. But they're going to deny themselves the blessing, as we'll see. God says, keep all the commandments. Not pick and choose as you will, as if it's a... As if it's a buffet. And I think many Christians and churches is how we go about it. Hey, it's hard to change and do what God says when we learn it's better. And we're afraid what Christians, even Christians, will say of us. But the best way is God's way. Not Burger King, have it your way. Although I like Burger King more than some other places. But it's, you can have the pickles or not the pickles. But that's not how you approach God. I always got a Whopper growing up all the time. I'm a little more mature now and I keep most of it on. But uh, can I have a Whopper minus pickles, onions, and tomatoes? Sure, I can have my way for a hamper. You cannot approach God that way. Um, can I have your law? But I don't think I'm going to. I'm going to go minus the Sabbath, please. I'm going to go minus how I'm supposed to dress, groom myself. I'll take some commandments, but then I'll also still look like the world and act like the world in these occasions. God is saying, keep all of my commandments. Don't veer to the left. Or to the right. And as we'll see tonight in Philippians, regardless of others who may not agree and have the same mind, God will show them in time. And especially as those leading God's church, we need to show the people all that we'd have because their blood will be upon us if we don't. If they don't want to do it, then it's just upon them. All his ways. 
Don't stray to the left or right. It's a common phrase to say, keep all God's commands. And we don't use the lame excuse of, I don't agree, but I've never actually tried to prove why I think you're wrong. Unacceptable. Now, you see this phrase, don't go to the left or to the right, with Joshua 1, verse 7, Joshua 23, verse 36, 2 Kings 22, verse 2, Proverbs 4, verse 22, the Proverbs especially about living a wise and blessed life as a result. We'll see some more as we continue in this message this morning. The idea is not straying from staying close to the Lord and thus being blessed by his presence. John D. Currid explains, the phrase, don't go to the left or to the right, uh, is idiomatic in Hebrew, and it means to go astray. You want to stray, not go astray. We don't want to go astray. Going astray is dangerous. Getting outside the camp away from God's presence is dangerous. Keep, this word keep often, the Hebrew means watch or preserve. It means it's very much related to hearing, but the keeping is showing that we're paying attention. I gave you that funny example this morning in a, uh, before Sabbath school that, you know, I was talking to the Honda dealer about fixing our sliding door that wasn't working because I can't expect pregnant mommy to climb through the van to get one of our kids from the other of the two car seats and then with another on the way. So I got to get it fixed. And it, when we got home inside, you can't get the door to open. Not the lever of the door. Did you check the child locks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't listening closely, so I only saw what I'm always doing. Stop it. Stop opening the door. And I hit the little red button on the left. But that's not the child locks for the door. That's, I wasn't listening. So I didn't keep it. And I had to go out of my way uh, to drive down there only to find out, oh, yeah, click the lockout. Done. It's working fine. <laughs> you know? A lot of times we just waste our time of blessing with side, uh, side distractions because we're not listening properly. And, and, and hearing really is in keeping. Right? And that's what God will see as we review some verses last week, is concerned about. The emphasis is on observing and living out or doing God's commandments. This is what the people say they will do at Mount Sinai, as is reviewed, and then a little bit later into our text, when he, they ask for mediation, we're going to do it, but you please go mediate for us. But the concern is that we would hear, keep, and do. Now again, remember, the Lord your God. Uh, is how God speaks to them, giving the commandments through Moses. Just as the people asking Moses to speak and receive from God, what, receive and speak to them what God gives to him directly as a mediator, uh, they say, the Lord our God. That's a verse that we highlighted, came up several times last week. And so the point of that is the context is covenant life. We are not talking about earning eternal life. We are talking about living a better life in our pilgrimage to heaven. And again, when we're in heaven, we'll live it out perfectly, and that's going to be incredibly blessed. Remember, this is a covenant peace treaty, and the king and the people are together, and the king who protects them also keeps his subjects safe by guiding them to live his law. J. Ritterboss says of verse 33, the way encompasses Israel's lifestyle and religio-ethical orientation as determined by God's law, which Israel must keep in every respect. 
as God's religious people, as those who are supposed to be peculiar and a witness to him, uh, priests and kings, a holy nation, unique, set apart to be a witness to the world. Uh, Keeping his commands is about showing their true orientation. What does orientation mean? What are you paying attention to? What is your life about? Which way is the direction you are going? Who are you listening to? Who are you obeying? And Israel needs to show that God really is their God by their orientation, their religious orientation. Because people loved by God will love God back by keeping them. Look at verse 10 with me of the chapter, within the Ten Commandments. Verse 10. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Notice the blessing. We're going to think about more later. There's a blessing that comes with keeping his commandments. And a blessing on our children for generations. What an exciting motivation. But notice the keeping of the commandments is showing that we actually do love God. Who loves his people first. That we do love him back. How do you know we love each other and love God? By keeping his commandments. Which is ultimately to love The summary of keeping the commandments is love. Paul, uh, and, and just a reminder, Jesus says in John 15, verse 10, and John reflects this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, that loving God is keeping his commandments. Keeping God's commandments, keeping Jesus' commandments is synonymous with loving God and Jesus. So the more we keep his commandments out of love, the more we are loving him. It's an opportunity to love him better. And when you love someone, you want to be closer all the time. You want to be with them, alongside them all the time. And so the more we keep God's commandments, that shows how much we love him and want to be with him. And they keep us closer to him all the time. And in the loving, we love more. It has that effect on us. Thus we keep his commands more and glorify him better. Paul House, again, says, Israel must reveal what love and commitment reside in their hearts by offering total allegiance to God. Such commitment requires careful adherence to and consistent walking in faith according to God's word. Since I said again, forgetting I hadn't yet read it, let me read it again. It bears repeating. Paul House, Israel must reveal what love and commitment reside in their hearts by offering total allegiance to God. Such commitment requires careful adherence to and consistent walking in faith according to God's word. Your heart should be the same as the people's heart. Look at verse uh, 27. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee. And we will hear it and do it. Same idea as uh, they were reminded they said earlier on Mount Sinai. We'll keep it and we'll do it. Tell us what God wants. And we will keep it, and we will do it. Let that be your heart. Let that be your desire. 
Tell me what you want, Lord, and help me to keep it and help me to do it. Help me to repent of rebellion. Help me to grow in love. And have that prayer to God, minding Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 19, which Jesus preaches in his Sermon on the Mount, which is largely saying, if you are going to be a citizen of my kingdom, here's what you will look like in obeying my law for the kingdom, my kingdom. Matthew 5, 17 to 19. Think not that I come, that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Of course, how do we teach? Largely by our example. Not that it doesn't come with word, but it has to be seen in our doing. Notice, it's not necessarily saying we won't be in heaven, but the least. Do you want to be the least in heaven? Which is going to be emblematic. There won't be shame in heaven. There won't be punishment. But still this idea that I wasn't as faithful. I wasn't as faithful in my follow. Now remember, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is in the beginning of Jesus' ministry for the large part, after he gets his apostles following him, and he gives his Sermon on the Mount. Here's the commands of how you're going to live as my citizens. And then, in the end, the Great Commission, which is, yes, evangelism, but ultimately and mainly focused on discipleship. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All power is given unto me, Jesus says after the resurrection. As he saves his people, then he commands his people again how to live as saved people, serving him. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, Jesus is with us all the time, he says. But it doesn't, and that's the encouragement to do what seems like mission impossible. Teach people to do everything he says. And as he said earlier, the other verse in the Sermon on the Mount, every jot and tittle, that's like saying, dot your I's and cross your T's. And frankly, I'm someone with not the greatest handwriting. And if we don't, dot our I's and cross our T's, especially if we don't follow the rules of good penmanship, it's sometimes hard to read whatever is trying to be communicated. Similarly, if we don't live every jot and tittle, it's going to be harder to read who you are in Christ. It's going to be harder to follow and recognize you're following him. It'll be a blurry witness. He says, as the Great Commission, the end of the whole gospel, really going back to the beginning in the Sermon on the Mount, do everything I say. Everything. Every jot and tittle. Stay straight. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Keep all my commandments. We tend to treat Jesus in the modern church as he saves us with a get out of hell free card, but we can still pass go. That's not who Jesus is. 
His name is, yes, Jesus, to save his people from their sins. His name is also Emmanuel. We're with God, and to be with God, we would naturally walk with God in his ways. Because as the scriptures say elsewhere, I believe it's Amos, the complaint is, two cannot walk together unless they be agreed. And God is always right, so we have to always agree with him. That'll be Philippians again tonight in chapter 3. Let us say for ourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 and 7. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Let your heart's cry be Psalm 119, verses 104 and 127. Through thy precepts I get understanding. And that's related to the blessing. Therefore I hate every false way. Leads to lack of blessings or lesser blessings. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. And Psalm 119, verse 128 Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. And pray for civil leaders to live like this. Deuteronomy 17, turn with me for a moment. We'll come back to chapter 5. And really, all of us, there's a lovely devotional book where you can jot your notes and thoughts like a journal, a a devotional journal that Reformation Heritage Books uh, puts out. It's on Deuteronomy uh, 17, verse 20, I believe. And the, the king had to actually write out the law of God that he would know it well and keep it. Pray for our civil leaders, but obviously all of us. Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20. And it shall be when he, that is the king of Israel, sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book, out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law, and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside, from the commandment to the right hand or to the left to the end of that to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom he and his children in the midst of Israel and certainly Israel itself oh lord grant us a king especially in the nation where we the people are the king who read and write down all of Deuteronomy and study it regularly that we wouldn't get arrogant and stray to the left or to the right and bring down our nation in defiance in perversion, where we lack the special blessing of the Lord. I think too many people who are really often straying from the left into the right, and the complaint is more for comfort and money, and they try to force it through politics. Lord, what I really want is bless me no matter which way I go, please. And I'll elect the person that will get me the most material blessing, and I'm going to let whether they're a strong Christian not be the primary focus but the result will be less blessing as we continue to experience. 
If we want the Lord to bless our nation, we need to have reformation. We need revival. We need repentance. As we the people, that we would vote for such men who seek our vote, but they don't get it. Many of the Christians won't vote for them because they want more assurance of their stock portfolio than they do of a holy people for a, uh, 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 something to send to our children, our children's children. Psalm 119, verse 86. All the commandments are faithful. All of them are faithful. The more he opens their blessings to you as you keep them. Excuse me. Psalm 119, 86. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. And the more you keep all of God's commands, the more he opens up their blessings of help to you. So enjoy the abundant life that Jesus gives when you live his way. Follow Jesus who is the way exactly as he says to live your lives. And enjoy in so doing the abundant life that Jesus gives when you live his way of life. But don't bother asking him to bless your life and growth if you aren't asking it first by saying, please cause me to repent and cause me to obey. Increase my love. Enjoy the abundant life that Jesus gives when you live his way of life. Jesus says in Matthew uh, 7, verses 24 to 27, which is the summary and conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, which again is, here's the way to live as citizens of my kingdom. And we start now in this world. He concludes his Sermon on the Mount, building, uh, saying to build your house on the rock. And how do you build your house on the rock? Doing everything he says. How do you build your house on the rock? The building of the rock, uh, really the result of it is what he's emphasizing. That you can withstand the storms of life. And they're always here. Christians are not exempt of having to sustain the storms of life. And in fact, more, in fact, more come upon us in persecution. Jesus says, you want to make it through that and not be swept away with the storms? Build your house on the rock. What is building your house on my rock, Jesus says? It's doing what I tell you to do. On a firm foundation for life. What I tell you to do. Trust me, what I'm telling you to do will bless your life and endure the hardships of life. On the contrary, he says, if you build your house on the sand, what is it to build your house on the sand? Well, sometimes we have illustrations directly from the coast of California on hills. They're going to be swept down into the ocean when the rains come. You want to do it that way? You will not survive storms of life. What is it to build it on the rock? According to what I say to do, what is it to build it on the sand? Ignore what I say to do. Or do some of it, but pick and choose and ignore all the measurements. Leave out some of the butts, nuts and bolts of things. And watch how it can't hold together in a storm. But if you do, it holds together. And is that not a blessing? Look at verse 32, the second part. Back in chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 5, back to verse 32, the second part. Ye shall, uh, excuse me, that should be 33. I neglected to fix that when I was reviewing my notes. My apologies. Verse 33, the second part. 
that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. So it's important that you show you're living with God and you're glorifying him in your life by keeping his commands. But the other side of it is that you would be blessed. Why build your house on the sand? You're not going to be blessed that way. Build your house on the rock that it would be a blessing, that you would survive, that it would go well with you. Look at verse 29. This is God's heart for you. Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always. But why? That it might be well with them and with their children forever. The Lord does have ways that generally speak to the means. The exceptions only prove the rule. If we obey the Lord, he will bless our lives with himself, and that's the greatest blessing, and to be close to him is walking in his ways, which protects us from so much nonsense and destruction, and blesses us with joy and contentment, but also will bless our children. If we want our covenant children to love the Lord and live for him, we have to be teaching them to do everything he says, and give them the discipline necessary when they won't, but much more the discipleship to help them before and after discipline. And help them to see, as we often do tell our children, do you see now how God is blessing your heart? Our young children, especially as we're teaching them when they're young, because it's natural in the early years to particularly be defiant and seek power and authority over their parents, which is really to have it over the Lord, which is why much of our nation and much of our church is rebellious and will not respect authority, which is seen in not keeping the commands or responding to rebuke when they don't. As a general rule, In God's providence, there can be exceptions. But as a general rule, families that love and serve the Lord are raised by parents that love and serve the Lord and teach their children to love and serve the Lord and not be straight off, not having enough time to do it with them because it takes not only quality but quantity, repetition over time. That's how God will bless your children. That's how he'll bless them to stay in the church long-term with their own children. And as he says in the commandments, for thousands of generations, for those who love me and keep my commandments. And he's saying, oh, that they would have a heart. He wants to bless you with your children, wants to bless you in the church. But that blessing comes, not earning salvation, but it comes with living out that, working out that salvation with him, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, running the race, as we saw last week in Philippians, straining for sanctification in your Savior. Look at verse 31. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes of the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess. Again, back to verse 29, that they would live long in that land, that they would enjoy that blessing. They won't, and, they, and beloved, they didn't in time, because they wouldn't keep his commands, especially related to idolatry. But they will, will grow. You know, when a child learns and grows, there's less need for discipline. That's what we tell them. See, there's less need because you're learning how to live the right way as we're teaching you. We do discipleship also. As Proverbs says, ask for your son's heart. My son, give me thy heart. I want to teach you. But that teaching takes time, including teaching them to repent by your example of repentance. 
And there's nothing more humiliating for a parent than to have to admit wrong because you're trying to teach them by example, but that's an opportunity to teach repentance. To let them see and follow that example, and over time, we'll be blessed. There are warnings of curses in the Decalogue for straying away from keeping God's commands. But there are also promises of blessing for staying close to him and living his ways from, through, by, with, and for him. Remember that as we studied how to study the Ten Commandments in the larger catechism a while ago, things uh, that are said positively imply the negative. And vice versa. Things that are negatively, say, imply the positive. And also, in terms of a warning, of a, of a demerit, of a, of a curse, of a punishment, uh, by, if it's said negatively, as many, most of the commandments are, what is implied is the positive. And the fifth commandment, honoring your parents, Paul says is the first commandment with an explicit promise for the children. Because that is to obey God's commandments and respect him. God knows the danger of the human heart to stray away and thus suffer pain. His heart is that you, his church, together will stay close to him, which is living his way of life and is to be a blessed life. Verse 29, we looked at, Now look at chapter 4, verse 1 with me. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. But remember, their fathers didn't go in and live. They died in the desert because they wouldn't obey. It's the concern for them to live, enjoy this amazing promised land with God. John D. Curd writes this, regarded to the not going to the left or to the right phrase, not going astray. He says, abundant blessings will come on the people when they enter the land if only they keep God's word. Doesn't mean we're saved by our works or lack thereof and we can never do them perfectly. But how do we get eternal life? We're spared death by Christ, paying the punishment that comes with sin. The wages of sin is death. But how do we get that abundant life to live in heaven, that eternal life? By Jesus living the law perfectly on our behalf, therefore getting the reward of eternal life that he grants to us through the gift of faith. But it's his keeping of the commands that gives you eternal life, heaven itself. We can live out and enjoy that more by living it out in him on our pilgrimage there on earth. Again, John D. Currid, abundant blessings will come on the people when they enter the land, if only they keep God's word. Same applies today in the temporal living out of God, God's life, God's law. God's heart is that you are not like these people on the whole he's speaking to on the moment, who though they said we will do and we will keep, we will hear. They led Difficult lives due to straying off his straight and narrow way. Jesus says in John 10 verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thieves, the sheep in wolf's clothing will keep you from having eternal life, but they'll also try to keep you from enjoying an abundant life on this earth if you have eternal life by teaching you to disobey all that God has commanded or stray to the left and right as it suits you. Compromise. Explain it away. Say, well, you know, there's many people, many good churches that believe something else. That doesn't mean they're right about it. Oh, there are lesses that are more churches that are more or less pure, but that doesn't mean we should seek to be less pure and get off with it. We should be more pure and be blessed by such. Be Bereans. To keep his commandments is to love him. And he gave them because he loves you. And he would have you live a good life that comes out of eternal life. As you hear in the end, in Revelation twenty-two fourteen and verses 18 to 19, blessed are they that do his commandments. This is not just Old Testament. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in the book. The end of the whole thing. It's Revelation. It's not just Old Testament. But turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep. The commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. You could say verse 2 is the repetition and application of our first section of the sermon. Do everything Jesus commands. Walk the way he says to walk. Verse 1 that we looked at earlier is that it will go well for you. The second part, that it will go well for you. Look ahead to chapter 28 of Deuteronomy just to see that this is the beginning, the ending, and the middle of the idea of the book. Deuteronomy 28, verse 13 and 14. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Isn't that the danger for the church to end up going to the world to the left or the right and ultimately making their idols our idols? And then having their curses rather than God's blessing as a result in our life. Not living the life we have in Christ abundantly, but minimally. Perhaps sometimes we should say barely. Something we see Pilgrim's Progress we've been studying warning us about often. Not, the, not just getting to the celestial city, but how you walk along the way. And the pitfalls you can avoid by obeying. Not being caused to stray to the left or to the right. 
Notice the illustration here in Deuteronomy 28 is interesting. We have that illustration, that metaphor of the right hand to the left, or the left not going either way, so that you will not be what? Another illustration from animals, so that the tail doesn't wag the dog, essentially. We have that phrase. And often, the elders, when we have to deal with unruly members or visitors, sometimes the phrase has come up, the tail, we can't let the tail wag the dog. Because in the end, if we do, we'll just become more like dogs instead of more like Christ. We start to stray to left and right. Next thing we know, we are just letting the tail wag us. And that looks rather ridiculous, doesn't it? We will be the head. We should be leading society rather than being led by them. And to do that, we have to stay the course. And the course is God's ways. If we want our nation to be blessed... It has to be God's ways, God's laws. And some of them in our nation right now are particularly against them. And in our state, even with changes federally, are particularly going against them. I encourage you to read that letter from John MacArthur's church up in L.A. to the governor of California and pray he responds or that the people in this state, moved by the Spirit, even if it's common operations of the Spirit, get him out. And put someone in regardless of party who will live the way of God's ways. So that we become a state where people don't say, I want to get out of. But I want to get into. And the answer is not more money. The answer is not control. Our control. The answer is God's control. May your heart's cry be Psalm 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And Psalm 5, verse 8, you sang just this morning. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. And if you need further motivation, you can think about how Jesus agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane and then he went to the Mount of Golgotha to die for you with a face like a flint. Though he struggled in his perfect humanity, is there any other way? Not my way, but thine be done. And that is why you and I can be saved because he didn't go to the left or to the right of God's way for him as prophesied. Psalm 119 Verse 6, let it be your life's prayer. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Remembering Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. So not only does the Great Commission essentially close the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, but so does the end of the Sermon of the Mount itself. Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And though there are some who truly, I trust, have come in through the straight great gate in the narrow way of Christ, yet they are not following him along that straight path, but veering off to the sides. So they live a life that looks like the destruction of the world. Though they may have eternal life, they don't have an abundant life. 
because they stray. And the straight way is the good old paths and same ways as always. Our church's theme verses for our slogan and logo, get it that. Jeremiah 6, verse 16, also Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Jeremiah 6, 16, thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Not just rest in eternal life, but an abundant life of rest for your souls in this life. Including a good conscience and contentment and fellowship. And avoid the last part of the verse. Minding this warning. But they said, we will not walk therein. They said, we won't do it. Isn't that a horrifying thing when you tell your children how to behave and they say to you, I won't do it. It's frightening. What is going to become of their life with a life attitude and a lifestyle like that? And Jeremiah, of course, is one of the major prophets and all the prophets in one way or the other are speaking to God's people under his severe discipline, often being dispersed into other nations under their yoke because they wouldn't keep the yoke of Jesus that is easy and light following his ways. As God is saying to you right now to walk the old way, walk in the good way, find rest for your souls. Don't be arrogant and stubborn and say, I won't do it, even if you won't say it out loud. But deep down, that's what you say in response. And we're all in danger of that to a lesser or greater degree at times. Because you will not have rest for your souls. The opposite is implied and obvious in Jeremiah's context. So often we don't have rest in our souls simply because of being defiant to the Lord with disorderly ways that break and violate his law. The wages of sin are death eternally. They also bring about deathly ways temporally. The other verse, Philippians 3.16, which in God's providence will be part of the sermon this evening in Philippians. And it's in the top left part of the inside of your bulletin, which I inherited as the minister when I came here. Nevertheless, whereto have we already attained? Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. This is one of tonight's verses about not letting those who don't agree at the moment, but God will show them in time, who don't agree about keeping all jots and tittles, and try to keep you who are more mature from striving after sanctification in your Savior. Let us indeed, beloved, let us indeed be walking the same old good paths and right rule along the narrow way. Stay on the straight way to live a great life as individuals, as families, as a church, and pray the Lord as a nation influencing the world. Stay on the straight way to live a great life. We'll never be perfect until heaven, and we will never live in a perfect society with all its blessings. We're waiting for Jesus to make that happen. But we can influence our lives and for our children and our children's children 
in the meantime. There are ebbs and flows. There are times of rebellion and then repentance and getting back to God's law. And thus seeing the nation blessed, temporally speaking, as well in the church and the nation. May we as God's church and we in this nation stay on the straight way to live a great life in our lives as we await our eternal life in the celestial city. That's the message for you this morning. Stay on the straight way to live a great life. Let us pray. O Lord God in heaven, we do acknowledge and recognize our rebellion against you and your laws, and therefore the problems we bring upon ourselves simply straying from your presence, staying away from our good shepherd, who will go get us. But as we might be left to ourselves in different ways, we become much in need to be restored to our good shepherd. As an illustration from someone in the church recently sent, Uh, There's this video of a sheep who had strayed for a long time. The shepherd finally got him back, and before he was able to minister to him, this sheep had grown enormous in dirty, filthy wool. Could hardly walk, take care of itself. Filthy and dirty, out of control. Missing on all the blessings of being close to the shepherd. But as they came back to the shepherd, the shepherd sheared the sheep of all of that filth and weight upon the animal. And the sheep was happy, clean. His wool was white as snow. And he was running and leaping and praising the good shepherd, so to speak. So we pray, Lord, you would give us the gift of repentance to the acknowledgement of truth, that we would not be held by Satan at his will, but that you would restore us to your close presence and that of the church. Help us to be walking with you and them by keeping your commands along the narrow way that, live, that brings life, uh, the narrow way unto eternal life, and the way that gives us a blessing of abundant life to enjoy in return. Not without persecution, not without troubles, but in a way that we can learn to rejoice for those very problems, as Paul has spoken often to us in Philippians, for the advancement of the gospel and the glorifying of Christ. Bless us as we remember these things, as we partake of your supper, O Lord. Bless us with your presence. Help us to repent of our sins, of commission and omission. And Lord, as we would be better in obeying in love, we would enjoy your love more deeply and fully in our hearts and in our experiences. And so we pray what you taught us, what you commanded us to pray in your Sermon on the Mount as your citizens of your kingdom. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, Jesus has uh, ordained and uh, commanded that we would keep the Lord's Supper. And so we will now partake of the Lord's Supper together because he has uh, ordained us to do so and because it will be a blessing to us. It's a means of grace. Uh, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I will reserve the the longer Lord's Supper 
for uh, the weeks to come. It's the first uh, Lord's Day of the month. I usually like to do the longer version, uh, but as the message has been longer, I'm going to accommodate for that and have a shorter version of the Lord's Supper. Not because I ever see you demanding it, but uh, as I do seek to be a blessing and not keep you uh, away from dinner and rest too long before the evening message, evening service. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to begin with verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Beloved, consider we are commanded to partake of the supper together, but as we do, it is a time of communion or fellowship with one another and with Christ. What a blessing is that. Let us pray for the Lord's blessing over it before we continue. Lord God, we do thank you for the blessing of eternal life uh, because we have union with uh, Christ and thus life with God. We partake of this bread and wine to remember Christ's suffering and death, his uh, offering up of his body and blood to give us life, to save us from death and hell, to give us eternal life in heaven. But we thank you, Lord, in the meantime, uh, until we get to uh, perfect paradise where we will live perfectly enjoy uh, your perfect blessing. We pray that you cause us to obey you, to keep this commandment of the supper, and truly remember in our hearts in repentance and love and faith and thanksgiving. And indeed, let it be a blessing to us, especially, especially to be able to bear temptation and pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, and to be protected and delivered. Lord, we see that this... Supper seems to be particularly connected to helping us in our progress not to stray to the left or to the right, but walk the straight and narrow and enjoy a more abundant life in Christ along the way. In you who are the way, the truth, and the life. and you who are the resurrection. Lord, thank you for giving us resurrection in our souls, promising resurrection of our bodies at the last great day. Bless us soul and body as we remember your sufferings of soul and body. And we remember your resurrection, and as we proclaim, you will return on the last great day. Raise us from the dead. Bring us into your Father's house to live out a perfect, uh, abundant, eternal life. Let us enjoy more of that in the meantime. What a kind king, what a blessed father you are to seek and desire and remind and offer to us in discipline and discipleship how good a life we have to live as you help us to keep all your commandments and not to be ashamed and to be a brighter witness to the world. Lord, bless us now as we partake of this bread and wine that we hear set apart from a common to a holy use. Bless these elements, particularly bless our partaking of them in faith, repentance, and love. Cleanse us of our sins. Give us a clean conscience to serve the living God. Thank you for not condemning us. Continue to command us to go and sin no more and enable us to keep your commands. 
and bless our lives. And let us, more importantly, be a glorious blessing to the witness of your name and a blessing to our brethren and a blessing to the world. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all your people said, Amen. Beloved, would you turn with me to uh, Psalm... I think I'd like to sing... I'm going to reverse the order considering the message this morning. I'd like you to turn with me to page 133, Psalm 67. And I'll make a note to myself to try to remember to switch it with Psalm 117 that we usually use to close our morning services. Page 133, see how much it asks for blessing and see how much the Lord gives blessing. Please stand. Again, Psalm 67... Page 